Welcome. You are listening to The Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm your host, Meryl Arnett, and my passion is making meditation accessible and enjoyable. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a guided meditation. If you would like to access these meditation practices as standalone audio files for your daily practice, please subscribe to my newsletter at merylarnett.com. It's free and you'll receive a new mini meditation each week, along with behind the scenes content and bonus material for each podcast episode. All right, let's grab a cup of tea, a comfy seat, and settle in for today's practice. Hello, my friends. I'm so glad to see all your faces. Happy Monday. It's wonderful to be with you. So we are on an adventure and I am really excited about what we're going to do together. So lay of the land. If you're in the live class with me, the most recent podcast episode, and if you're listening to the podcast, it will have been like a month ago at this point. Um, but I just had a conversation with one of my personal favorite meditation teachers, Diana Winston. And over the course of the conversation, we were talking about the ethical teachings that are embedded within a meditation practice. And one of the things that we talked about was the fact that in Eastern traditions, in uh, the more ancient sort of spiritual lineage traditions of meditation, if you were to be an initiate in any of those lineages, the very first thing you would learn are the ethical practices and requirements, the ethical teachings of this practice. And yet as the practice was brought over to the West, as it was, a tr- as it was extracted from its sort of spiritual beginnings and offered in a secular mindful is the word practice, those ethical teachings were stripped out of the practice. And I want to just start with like, this is reflection number one. So interesting. Why? Why were they stripped out? And I wonder, you know, maybe we'll like give a little benefit of the doubt and we'll say, maybe it feels like these are inherent. And I think if you were to glance at a list, you could make that argument, right? We'll talk about what these teachings are in a moment. And you'll say, I've heard all these words before. I know what they mean. And for the most part, those are true in my life. Great. But what we really see is that as our practice deepens, as our level of awakening increases, our understanding of the nuance of these ethical teachings widens and broadens tremendously. So what we might think on the surface level, well, suddenly we've discovered 15 more layers that we have yet to look at. And so I think it does a real disservice 
to assume that these teachings are inherent. And like, let me, let me be super clear. This is what I have been doing. I have absolutely just been assuming they're inherent. I teach these teachings in teacher trainings and I have never taught them in just this Monday night meditation class, which I'm rectifying as of today. So for the next five weeks, we are going to go through the five basic ethical teachings of a mindfulness practice. I'm really looking forward to doing this. And what I hope is you'll hold in mind what I just said about the layers, the nuances and subtlety of each of these teachings. You know, I talk for maybe 15 minutes before we get into a practice. I'm skimming the surface, guys. And my hope is that this is an invitation for each of you in the week, in the days between when we meet, that you get to sort of explore, reflect, feel through each of these tenets in your own life. And you may find that there is one or two that you really want to stay with, that you want to explore for a month, or a year and really work into the depth and breadth of what these teachings are. So we're going to look at these. I'm going to, there are five and there are five taught both in tantric meditation, which is what I have the most training and experience in. And there are five very similar ones taught within Buddhism. And so I feel really comfortable saying that these are universal ethical teachings. I think the words might change a little bit, but the meanings are pretty ubiquitous. And so here they are. In the words of tantric teachings, these five ethical teachings are nonviolence, truthfulness, non-stealing, non-excess, and non-possessiveness. In Buddhism, these are taught as the five precepts, and they are to abstain from taking life, to abstain from taking what is not given, to abstain from sensuous misconduct, to abstain from false speech, and to abstain from intoxicants. Intoxicants. And so you see that they're really similar. There's a lot of overlap, although the sort of title differs very slightly. And so we'll look at these in turn. And we're going to start today with the first one, which is nonviolence. And this teaching comes, you know, I think there's no bigger crisis in our world today than the crisis of violence. This comes at a raw and tender moment when we are potentially really cracked open. And I hope that this makes for a really ripe 
vulnerable place where you can explore what this tenant looks like and feels like in your life. Now, when I say the word nonviolence, I assume that we all sort of have at least a most surface level similar thought around what that means. And likely it's referring to physical acts. But when we really look at the words used in this tenet, the actual description, I just want to read it so I get it right. The description is non-animosity toward all living beings, all the time, and in every respect. Non-animosity toward all living beings, all the time, and in every respect. Animosity is not just physical acts. Animosity can show up in words, in thoughts, in intentions. And so while on the grossest level, perhaps it can be easily understood, but it only takes a few seconds of reflection to start to see how subtle, how subtle and even sneaky this tenet of nonviolence can really be in our practice, in the way that we live our lives. And so maybe we'll just think about this for a second. You can just do like a little internal reflection here. Think back to the last time that you were really busy running late, overwhelmed, and had multiple things coming at you at once, right? Was this like five minutes ago? It was five minutes ago for me. So yes, okay, I see some nods. Five minutes ago, right, yep. And then think about how you were talking to yourself or anybody in the space with you. If you're like me, those moments when I am hurried, overwhelmed, out of balance, feeling a little bit powerless, those are the moments without doubt that I am less than kind to my partner, that I am short-tempered with my children, and that my email will end with a period instead of an exclamation point, right? Because like, I don't have time. I don't have time. I just have to get this done. Get out of my way. And we start to see that the truth of the teaching, the truth of the teaching is that our ability to be nonviolent with others is directly related to our ability to be nonviolent to ourselves. I'm going to say it again. Our ability to be nonviolent with others is directly related to our ability to be nonviolent to ourselves. And so we start to turn our attention inward with these ethical teachings. How am I treating myself? How am I talking to myself? What are my intentions for myself? 
if we're looking specifically at acts of violence or animosity, I think that we have to look at what scares us the most. Because the truth is that violence is always accompanied by fear and anger. It is always accompanied by fear and anger. And so one of the things that we might start to do is look towards the things that scare us. We might start to get really curious about our fears. This is not to say that we're going to, you know, quote unquote, fix our fears or negate our fears. But when I start to look towards them, just like with anything, I can begin to discern nuance. I can begin to see underneath the surface level. So I'm, let's use like a really sort of light example to look at. Let's say you identify as a perfectionist. You are so good at your life. Your house is clean. You do your job with every I dotted and every T crossed. You made straight A's as a kid per and when people comment about how good of a job you do, you feel good and secure. And if you mess up, you feel terrible, right? So in this exploration of nonviolence, if that was something that you identified with, you could be like, why do I get, why do I get so upset when... I missed an email and I didn't respond and I, you know, I should have responded immediately. Why do I get like, my stomach is churning. I'm like sweaty. I feel really uncomfortable and upset. Why? And so you're like, well, I want to do a good job. I don't want to lose my job. I need my job. That's so interesting. Like why, why would I lose my job over one email? Okay. And well, I really want people to like me and think that I'm capable and, we keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And maybe we get somewhere like, I don't really think that I'm enough. And if I don't do it perfect, then everybody else will know I'm not enough. Whew. Right? And so that's a real fear. That's a real fear that we can sit with, that we can look at with compassion that perhaps we can talk to ourselves about. Is that true? So one of the ways that we start to work with this tenet of nonviolence is to look towards our fears, to be curious about them, to offer ourselves some self-compassion towards our fears. And the other piece I would say is that we really intentionally work to create some balance in our lives. Because just like that first reflection, when we're constantly going, when we're constantly dropping the ball and underslept and undernourished and unwell, we don't have the space for self-compassion. 
We don't have the strength to look towards our fears. We are beat down. Right? And our let's like be super clear about this. Our fears tend to be the things that we run from, we fight with, or we ignore very, very hard with lots of coping mechanisms like too much TV or alcohol or drugs or online shopping or you name your personal predilection, right? So easy for me to say this, easy. And the reality is this is why we do our practice so that we're building up enough of a container, enough strength to be willing to be curious about what scares us. To be willing to look into all the things that we believe make me, me. So that every time it feels threatened, every time my self-created identity of a perfectionist, of uh, you know, any identity, you name it. Anytime that feels threatened, rather than respond with anger, we can respond from a place that is really centered and balanced and compassionate. So I'll, I'll just share one more story. I'm remembering that I read this and I want to say it was in a Brene Brown book, but I can't remember which one. And the story went something like it was a it was this reflection on sort of anger and self-compassion. And the gist of the story was like somebody receives an invitation for her child to go to a pool party. And the invitation says, you come too. we're all going to hang out around the pool. And the mom in this story is like you know, I'm 20 pounds overweight and I don't feel great in a swimsuit. And God, I really don't want to go hang out with these other people that I don't even know in a swimsuit. Makes me so uncomfortable. And then 30 minutes later, she's in the fight of a lifetime with her husband over some ridiculous thing, like who unloaded the dishwasher last, right? And it wasn't until weeks later, as she's like pulling and teasing this apart, that she's like, oh, right. I was so upset about thinking. She didn't even go yet. She was just thinking about doing this thing that created this sense of shame and judgment about who she was. And it created this act of violence that without any mindfulness, you don't even notice it, right? You're like, my partner's a jerk. He didn't unload the dishwasher. Sheesh, right? And you're not pulling it back into what scared me? What scared me in this? What was the fear? What was I feeling? Okay, a lot of words. So this first tenet, this first exploration in the ethics of meditation is nonviolence. And I wanna end with a quote from an author named Deborah Adele, who wrote a book on these ethical teachings. And I'll, I'll share it after class in the chat and in the show notes for my listeners. She writes, nonviolence asks us to step lightly, do no harm, and honor the relationship we have with the earth, with each other, and with ourselves. 
And so with those words, we're going to do a practice together. And then I'll offer up a way that we might reflect on this tenet throughout the week until our next class. Yeah. So take a minute, please, to move around. Like just shift in your seat a little bit, shrug your shoulders or shake your hands, uncrush your legs, cross them the other way. Do some little movement here. And then before you even settle into your official meditative seat, let's just take a breath together. So inhale in. Exhale out a sigh. And then as we start to let go of the words and the ideas and the stories, then we might settle ourselves into a seat that feels steady and familiar. Into a seat that feels safe and comfortable. Allowing your hands to rest on your lap. Perhaps allowing your eyes to close. And if that doesn't feel right today, you can always take a soft gaze towards the ground. And as you settle yourself into your seat, let's once again take a deep, full breath in. Exhale out a sigh. We allow our breath just to flow. We remind ourselves that there is no way to understand it all immediately. So we let go of any grasping, any need to make sense of everything or to formulate your ideas and opinions. And instead, we invite ourselves just to be here together. We do so by silently saying to ourselves, now is my time to meditate. Now is my time to meditate. And as you say those words to yourself, you feel yourself pulled into a circle of, med of meditators that expands past the boundaries of space and time. That expands past beliefs, teachings, understanding. And in this connected place, we feel ourselves sit a little bit more. 
perhaps inviting your body to unclench in all places and all ways. Feeling all the edges of your body soften. Feel the center of your body letting go. Through the belly. Through the chest. through the jaw and the cheeks, across your eyes, across your forehead. throughout the space behind your forehead. Feeling every breath as an opportunity to soften. for a moment, we'll simply turn our attention towards our breath. It might feel really good here to feel as you inhale as if you were pulling your breath all the way up your spine from the base to the crown. And as you're exhaling, it's from the crown all the way down to the base of the spine. You could just feel your breath moving in this way. Inhaling up the spine. Exhaling down the spine. An opportunity just to cleanse and balance the body with our breath. And because our practice today is an exploration of nonviolence, we'll simply plant that seed inside our body, our breath, our thoughts, becoming aware of whatever it is that is there for us today.
And so the next time you're breathing down towards the base of your spine, you'll just let your awareness rest right down at the base of the spine. And you'll feel, sense, or imagine yourself planting this idea of nonviolence, non-animosity at the base of your spine. up an inch or two towards the sacrum, that flat triangular shaped bone. And there at the very low back, again, you simply plant this idea, nonviolence, curious about how it looks, how it feels, how it shows up in your inner world. Traveling up the spine a bit more until you're right behind the navel. And here again we plant nonviolence. And rising up to the heart center. Center of the heart. Nonviolence. How does it look? How does it feel? center of the throat now. center of the brain, right in the mid-brain, nonviolence. at the crown of the head, 
very top of the head, non-violence. Following that thread back through the midbrain, nonviolent. The center of the throat, nonviolent. The center of the heart, nonviolent. Navel center, nonviolent. The sacrum, nonviolent. Base of the pelvis, nonviolence. Here, allow your awareness to broaden outward, following the flow of the breath as we sit in silence five more minutes.
and feeling your breath here. Noticing exactly where your thoughts are. Very slowly starting to wiggle your fingers and your toes, allowing your breath to deepen a bit. If you've slumped over, you might straighten your spine. And together here, we'll take one last deep breath in. Exhale out a sigh. Taking all the time you need to blink your eyes open, to let go of your practice. And as you're coming back from your practice, I'll just offer that you might undertake a journaling exercise for the week. You could pair it with your practice or you could do it at the end of the day each day. And just take a moment to journal about your experience with violence or nonviolence within yourself each day for a week. How did I talk to myself when I had a good day? How did I talk to myself or treat myself when I'm having a bad day? How did it go when I messed something up or when somebody was unkind to me? Start to pay attention just to the tone of your day make some notes for yourself right so that you can look back and see over the course of the week how violent or non-violent were you towards yourself and we'll let that start to inform our understanding of this first ethical teaching and then as we move through the next four weeks We'll look at each of the additional teachings and what we'll find is that all of them, all of them are just nuances of nonviolence. It is the teaching. And each of these other teachings circles back around to support and deepen our understanding of what nonviolence is. Thank you guys so much for your time and attention. Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving me a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps others to find the show. And let's face it, we could definitely use more meditators in this world. The Mindful Minute is recorded on Muskogee land and produced with the support of Madeline Day Production Management and Brianna Nielsen Virtual Assistance. To join my live classes, ask questions, or learn more about my teacher trainings, please visit MerylArnett.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you guys next week.